Make Mine Music, 1946. At the time of writing, Make Mine Music is the one feature produced by Disney Studios not featured on Disney+. The streaming service's disclaimer that runs before films deemed problematic always states they are in their original form, even in the case of Fantasia, which is not. And there are some films that Disney claims will not be added even with a disclaimer, such as the controversial Song of the South. While not as controversial, the opening segment of Make My Music is cut from the home media releases due to heavy depictions of gun use, taking the film from 10 segments to 9, but it can still be found online. In The Martins and the Coys, the two titular families get into a gunfight over petty theft, and it quickly turns into both families rising to the clouds as ghosts, save for one member of each family. While the ghosts root for their survivors to finish the fight, they instead fall in love, get married, and the film ends on them together but viciously combative, the family's feud persisting still. I'm inclined to think that making light of domestic violence as a final punchline is a stronger reason to pull this short, but the segment is not spectacular to begin with. The studio has reduced manpower both due to talent being drafted and post-strike firings, and at best these features still feel like a step back. The Good Neighbor duology could lean on well-known Disney characters as does the next feature, fun and fancy free, but Make My Music is lacking in any such solid footing and its new ideas are yet to be fully formed. The second segment, or the first on the DVD, is Blue Bayou, which was started many years earlier for Fantasia scored to Claire de Lune. The animation unsurprisingly centers on the moon, first seen above the scene and later reflected in rippling water as egrets step through the lake and fly around. As a result of this being created many years prior, it aligns much more to the hyper-realist mode and the visuals are impressive, especially the motion of the birds circling in the air. Despite this, it is still weaker than any segment of Fantasia, and it is far from the highlight of this film, and the original scoring suits it better. The most striking visual elements in the film can be attributed to the design work of Mary Blair, who is vital to many Disney projects. Her work as art supervisor on The Three Caballeros led to the look of the train and forest before the Bayou section, and her designs in the third segment in this film, All the Cats Join In, make the segment pop above all the others. This segment also has been edited from the original, trimming down instances of nudity of a young woman rushing out of a shower to meet her date outside. The segment's loose story depicts young people meeting up to dance. Beyond the cute visuals, this segment is also remarkable in its motion. The entire piece is framed as being drawn in real time, so a pencil will come into frame to draw something as a character needs it, many times struggling to keep up. This is used for a variety of comedic purposes, including several boys running to sit at the bar, but the pencil must draw the bar stools, leaving the bar one short. The synthesis of music and motion is incredibly charming and fun here, and the momentum it carries is affecting, only briefly disrupted by the pencil using its eraser to slim a young woman down so a boy will be interested in her. Next is Without You, a ballad bemoaning heartbreak over simplistic visuals of a tree through a window going through the seasons, visualizing the same loneliness as the song until the sun sets and the camera returns inside the window. This aligns with the abstract pieces from Fantasia but on an expectedly smaller scale. While it depicts the emotions of the song and complements the score, it also feels redundant because the track's lyrics are telling you the emotion plainly and the visuals never elevate the piece beyond this. To jump two segments ahead, redundancy is also a problem in Peter and the Wolf. As the narrator explains at the top of the piece, various instruments represent different characters, but the short unnecessarily stacks this with dialogue. This feels antithetical to the creativity within Fantasia, where the art of the piece and the marriage of visuals to music was trusted to speak for itself, albeit brief introductions from Deems Taylor. Peter would greatly benefit from the lack of dialogue, as it distracts from the musical pieces and the visual language does plenty to depict the story as it's being interpreted. 
In between these two segments is Casey at the Bat and two silhouettes, the first of which is, like Peter, an animated story adaptation. Casey tells the story of the titular baseball player who was the star of his team and an irresistible presence to women until he finally came up to bat and failed to connect with a single ball. While the piece juxtaposes his actual performance against his manly confidence, it is the second segment to feature jokes at the expense of a character's weight, and this case juxtaposed to Casey's muscular physique. The motion of the segment showcases a shift away from the hyperrealism as it uses an elastic setting that allows a building to bounce on the roof to hold airtime, but even this feels like a half measure. The rigidity of the studio's hyperreal mode still casts a shadow over this segment, especially compared to Mary Blair's design work and motion and all the cats join in. Two Silhouettes follows, a wordless piece featuring two dancers and a song performed by Dinah Shore. The dancers are seen as solid silhouettes drawn over rotoscoped movements, and while the motion and lighting on these figures is pleasant, it is too real to become fully engaging. There is no squash and stretch or personality imbued as the motion is rigid to the actual dancers, although the composition attempts to make up for it allowing one dancer to rise through the scene and dance on stars, jumping between locations and unreal movement. This is a creative usage of the environment and the studio's tools, but feels jarring in some places due to how real the silhouettes themselves are, especially in juxtaposition to animated cherub characters animated in the foreground. After Peter and the Wolf is an abstract piece set to music by Benny Goodman and the Goodman Quartet, who also provided the music for all the cats to join in. In After You've Gone, a group of personified instruments are animated in time with the composition, running through a world of musical symbols morphing in shape alongside the jazz. The style of the piece is a developmental middle ground between the hyperreal and the elasticity of truly experimental motion. Despite not reaching as far as other pieces from the studio have, the animation is remarkable and complements the jazz tremendously. The most absurd imagery depicted within the film is within this piece, as disembodied hands morph into figures that consist of four fingers each, walking on two like legs but their top half mirroring this perfectly. These figures play on a heavenly piano road until spinning into a shape that becomes instruments again, matching the song's evolution. While solos duel, the audience sees the two instruments in a boxing ring until that setting morphs into another road and the drum rolls down overtaking them visually and sonically perfectly depicting the high energy of a live jazz performance through cartoons. The next segment, Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, is much more traditional Disney storytelling, as it depicts two personified hats that fall in love before being separated when one is purchased, until eventually reuniting. The story is cute and told through song, but the segment does not suffer from the same redundancy as Without You, in large part because the lyrics are less specific. The character action is rooted in effective emotional beats established visually and complemented in song more in tone than lyrics, and these two aspects work well together. The focus of the frame on the hats as opposed to the people that wear them is also an effective choice of composition and direction, including a bar fight made worse by police shown only by the hats being struck from above and no visual signifier for the police beyond their headgear and weapons, as this is all is needed to be understood. Johnny floats from where to where until he nearly is lost in the gutter and grabbed at the last second. He accepts defeat as he is cut to fit over a horse's ears, but he finds himself next to Alice again, and they live happily ever after, leading a carriage together. The final segment is The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met, a story of Willie the Whale, his vocal talents, and a society that could not accept him. A producer hears a rumor of a singing whale and presumes he must have swallowed an opera singer, or three once he heads out to sea and hears the whale sing with three uvulae. Hoping to save them, his goal is to kill the whale, and after several scenes depicting Willie's smashing success to, is revealed to be a dream sequence, the producer succeeds in harpooning the whale, who goes on to sing in heaven. Visually, this segment is solid, though inconsistent. Willie himself is a sort of anti-monstro in his cute aesthetic, his mouth splitting cartoonishly in his body. 
This works for the story being told as many beats are comedic, including the visualization of Willie's performances, balanced on his tail on stage belting on opera. Once he is harpooned, however, the tone shifts toward the harrowing finale of Pinocchio, and impressively so, but his ascent to heaven then loses that darkness entirely. The weight of his death is likely meant to make the punchline of heaven selling out hit harder, but I find it more jarring than effective. Make My Music continues the decade's trend of package films as the studio continues to cut costs by producing cheaper films. The result is cheaper films, and this project lacks the detail and consistency that made the formalist era features a success. While many shorts miss the mark, there are experiments being done with the art styles and motion that would be hard to imagine if they tried to follow up Bambi with another hyper-realist sentimental tale. There are another three package films between Make My Music and Cinderella, but through the design work of Mary Blair and the infamous Nine Old Men becoming more foundational, that development can be seen into the 50s and 60s, especially as Walt's direct input wanes. Next up, Fun and Fancy Free, 1947. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays. You can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload. And there you will find in-text citations and works cited. And share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at ghostofjoe, ghostofjo. The music used in this audio version is from The Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading. What?